my life and will flow throughout this world. The impact that you and I will have as people of God, following after God in our world, the conduit of fear. The conduit of fear is, is how the devil will, will begin to bring destruction and demise and even death to anything of God's plan and destiny for your life. Fear does that. Fear does that for all, uh, to all of us. Fear that we have, that, that we deal with. Go with me to 2 Timothy 1.7. Again, another familiar verse to many of us, and it says these words. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. The first, the first thing that Adam did after he sinned, the Bible tells us, is that he ended up being afraid. He was afraid, and he hid himself when he heard God, the sound of God walking through the garden in the cool of the day. He went and hid himself. As he, Adam had done that, God asked Adam, he says, where are you? Where are you? Why are you hiding from me? And in Genesis 10, 3.10, you don't need to turn to it, Adam responds to God, and he says something like this. He says, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And through that one sinful act, what was released into the earth through sin was fear. All of us in one way or another deal with fear. All of us in one way or another have something that we are fearful of right now. It is something that intimidates us. It is something that keeps us back from moving forward in what it is that God would, would have in store for our lives. Psychiatrists say something like this. They say that there are over 2,000 identifiable fears and phobias that are known to man. The fear of flying, the fear of heights, the fear of animals, the fear of, of water, the fear of grown men having a full head of hair. Some things really scare people. They also tell us that babies are born with two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noise. And if that all be true, and I, I'm assuming it is, I don't know, I, but uh, if that be true, that means that then there are 1,998 fears that are to be learned by all of us. If we only come with two fears, then there must be about another 1,998 fears that we are still going to experience in life. We're going to find them as a result of living life here on earth. As you know, fear is a terrible thing. Fear will paralyze you. It will neutralize you. Fear will stop you from trying. The fear of rejection. The fear of failure. The fear of looking foolish. Sort of like how I feel right now that I'm stumbling through some of my words as I'm speaking on a Sunday morning to my church. The fear of looking foolish. Do you know that many people will not try things because of fear? That they're going to look foolish. They're going to look foolish even trying whatever that would be. You need to understand, fear, that fear does not come from God. Those are lies. Those are deceptions. Those are works of darkness from the enemy. Those are things that whisper to us that we begin to believe. We believe that those things do have that kind of power and influence. But the Bible says, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of, of, of a sound mind. Fear is not God's voice trying to hold you back. Fear is not God trying to ring your bell. God, fear is not God trying to get your attention through that thing called fear. God doesn't work that way. 
That's not how it is. God has not given us a spirit of fear, the Bible says. Again, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. In other words, God does not use fear. He does not use fear. The Bible talks about us fearing God, but that's talking about respecting him. It's not running and hiding like Adam did, but it's about respecting God for who he is. God doesn't work through fear. Fear comes from hell. Now, I believe that one of the wealthiest places on planet Earth where some of the greatest resources actually live and dwell, it's not in the oil wells of Saudi Arabia or in the Middle East. It is not in the untapped um, uh, diamond mines of Africa. It is not the gold mines that you find in them there hills of California. I'm not talking about any of that at all. In fact, I believe that some of the greatest, some of the greatest untapped resources um, on earth are in our graveyards. Are in our graveyards. Now, think about this with me for a minute. Consider this thought. It's where scores and scores of people who have been given life by God on this earth for a reason. Where God had a plan, God had a, a destiny for every single one of those people in that day, in that place, and in that time that they were living. Where they should have probably written that book that God laid on their heart to write. And maybe it would have been a top ten seller and maybe they would have been worth millions as a result of that. Or maybe it would be where God would give another person a song that they would sing. A song that they would sing. Like the last song of our worship set that we just did. Man, we love that song here at Word of Life. It's a great song. But where God would give another person a song that they were to sing that would be a blessing to the multitudes. Or maybe where God would give a business or God would give an idea or an invention that would not only bless people but would also prosper other people. Make life better for them. Where God would gave them a, a dream of some huge opportunity that was set before them. But they never did it. They never did it. They never did it, not because they were not, uh, they, they were not held by uh, limited ability or lack of talent. It wasn't because of those reasons. But what caused those dreams to be buried in graveyards was fear. They were afraid. They were with fear. We deal with fear. We're afraid. What if I try this and it fails? What if it doesn't work the way I think that it should work? What if nobody believes me? What if nobody believes it? What if, what if, what if? And church, I'm trying to help you to understand in dealing with our destiny with where God would want us to go. We deal with that. We are limited. We who are believers... We who are followers of God, we become sometimes par uh, paralyzed or neutralized because of fear coming into our lives. The issue or the question is, how do we fight those fears? And the short answer, the immediate answer, is that you've got to face down those fears head on. Whatever fear you're dealing with right now, whatever it is that you are intimidated by, those things that are causing you to be reserved, to be paralyzed, you and I need to face down those fears head on. One of the greatest fear fighters in all of the Bible, in my humble opinion, and of course there's many of them, there's many, many of them in the Word of God. The greatest one, in my opinion, is found in 2 Samuel chapter 23. If you've got your Bible, we're going to turn to that in just a few moments. But it is the story of a man by the name of Benaniah. Benaniah. Now, if you're at all a, uh, 
Mark Batterson follower, and I am somewhat. Uh, I've read almost all of his books, but uh, he wrote a book about, um, uh, um, that is entitled, In the Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, is what Mark uh, had written. Read the book, and some of my thoughts are coming from the book, of course, as well as my own. But uh, the story of, 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 of a man by the name of Benaniah. Benaniah was a man who was chasing and tracking a lion. Now, if you've heard those words, I hope I'm just not tumbling words off my lips and you're not really catching what I'm saying. But Benaniah was a man chasing and tracking after a lion. When you hear words like that, I think that it should spark some thought within you. In other words, normal people don't chase after lions. Would you agree with me? Normal people don't do that. And I consider most people in this room to be normal. Well, maybe not everybody. Maybe Pastor Mike and Pastor Jeremiah are not so normal. But for the most part, we're normal people. But the truth of the matter is, Pastor Mike and Jeremiah would chase after a lion. So they are a little bit crazy. I believe if God told them to do that, they would do that. No doubt about that. But, but the fact of the matter is, Benaniah... Um, it's a great story. It is just a phenomenal story. I want to share some of that with you today. And this is a guy who was on a quest for his destiny. He was on a quest for his destiny. What it was that God had in store for his life. What he did is what was going to lead him where God wanted him to be. So let's talk about this just for a moment. Suddenly, we find, we find here that this man, uh, Benaniah, has been following these footprints of a lion. And in my mind, I, I see as I read this story, there's not very many verses about it, but it does talk about it. And the book that was written gives a lot of thought that is really cool and really good about it all as well. But as I'm thinking about the story, I'm sitting here thinking that first and foremost, you know, there's probably snow because it was a snowy night that this happened and it's cold and it's freezing. I'm assuming it's dusk or maybe even a little bit later than dusk. And uh, probably, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but probably Benaniah is walking with a spear or, or a sword, a saber of something. I'm assuming that. The Bible doesn't say that, but I'm assuming that. And you know me well enough now. When I read stories and see the Word of God, I add a few thoughts that probably I'm a mile off on. But it sort of makes it a little bit interesting for me anyhow. But suddenly, suddenly he sees out of the corner of his eyes something creeping towards him. He's able with just a little bit of light to catch a glimpse of this, of these piercing eyes that were looking over at him, staring at him in the darkness. And he sees this large animal that is crouched down, and this animal is making a move toward him. And they lock eyes. Benaniah and this lion lock eyes with each other. Now, I don't know who you are, but I can't imagine what that would be like. I, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine, even the bravest among us, how could you imagine such a, a, a moment in your life where something like this would take place? Uh, where, my God, ben, ben and I had to know that I'm about to be attacked by a lion. They're face to face. They see each other. And I know you know this more than likely about a lion. This stuff comes from Mark's book. I think it's pretty interesting. He says a lion is a very powerful animal. The power of, of a lion's jaws can easily break the bones of a man. His claws can rip flesh as hot butter, uh, as a hot knife does go through butter. A lion can run up to 35 miles an hour, can jump 30 feet, can see five times greater than a man can see. And all Benaniah has possibly is a spear or a sword. And the odds are certainly against Benaniah. 
The scriptures tell us that as the lion came forward towards Benaniah, the lion somehow or another misstepped, and we find that this lion fell down into the pit, ended up falling down into the pit. So they've had this moment, eye to eye, they see each other, and all of a sudden this lion's beginning to walk toward him, and something's about to take place, but whoop, all of a sudden it's gone. It's gone. And the fact of the matter is, when all of a sudden this is gone, this is a part of the story that I just don't understand and I just don't get. Because I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you about me. <laughs> if I was Benaniah, if Randy Chiz, if this story was about Randy Chiz and not Benaniah, it would have had a different ending. Because as soon as that lion went in the pit, I would have started singing, This is the day that the Lord has made. I would have been the guy who would hightail out of that area, scared to death of that lion. But it's not about me. It's about Benaniah. Benaniah was not afraid. Benaniah was a fear fighter. He was a lion chaser. He walks over to the pit where the lion is. And the way you, you would see this is that he looks down in the pit and he sees the lion. He looks off to the right, to the left, and he, and he comes back and he looks down at the lion. He looks over to the right. And he comes back and he looks down at the lion. And Benaniah then makes a decision in that particular moment that would, that would alter the rest of his life. The Bible says he jumps into the pit where the lion is and he fights that lion head on. He fights that lion head on. As you're thinking about that story, as you're seeing it right now in your own mind's eye, I, I'm assuming that you can almost hear the roars of the lion. You can probably hear the moans and the, and the, and the groans of Benaniah in that pit that's fighting that, that lion. And suddenly, suddenly a deafening silence. Nothing. You hear nothing. And then in a few moments, you begin to hear some moans and groans. And up out of that pit comes Benaniah. He comes out of that pit, and as he walks through the fresh, freshly fallen snow, you can see the blood drippings. You can see the cuts. You can see the, the claw marks. He's been mauled. He's been bitten. He's bleeding in the fresh snow. And if you think Benaniah looks bad, you got to take a peek at the lion down in the pit. Because the Bible tells us that he, that lion, was defeated. That lion was killed. And Benaniah has just won the greatest victory recorded, one of the greatest victories in all of the Bible. All because, all because he was willing to jump into that pit and face down, face head on into his greatest fears. Nobody would have blamed him if he decided to walk away. Nobody would have said to him that he was a coward if he decided to walk away like Randy Chiz would have done. <laughs> Nobody would have thought of him of, of any less from him. But I believe I believe that something of God spoke to him in that moment that said something like this. Benaniah, your destiny is connected to your defeating that lion. Now, I don't know if the Bible, if, if that really was said. I don't know if they really did hear something like that. I don't know if, if God would use exact words like that. But one thing is for sure about Benaniah. He knew he knew he had to confront his greatest fear of his life. He knew he had to jump into that pit where that lion was. He knew that his future was dependent upon it. Benaniah was not going to walk away from completing that God-given opportunity and to, fight, uh, and to uh, def uh, defeat his greatest fears. 
Don't miss this either. After this battle, Benaniah's history, his life story as a fear fighter, it just, it gets even more incredible as you dig a little bit deeper. I'm going to read you a couple of verses here in, in about one minute that will tell you more about Benaniah. But let me say it first, and maybe it will make sense as it comes to you. You're going to see that uh, a number of things that Benaniah had done, he killed two lion-like heroes of Moab, the Bible tells us. It also tells us that he killed, a, he killed a, a, an, an Egyptian that the Bible says was a spectacular man. He was a spectacular man with a spectacular spear that he would have. Um, and, of course, he killed this lion uh, in a pit. He ended up going into the pit. And uh, King David, after all of this was done, King David made Benaniah in charge of his bodyguards. Benaniah was the elite of all the elite warriors. And he became David's personal bodyguard. He was over the special forces of that particular day. So go with me to, to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23, if you would. 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning at verse 20. Benaniah was the son of Jehoiada, Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Cabzeel, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab, which I just told you. He, also, <clears throat> he had also gone down to kill a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. Imagine, the Bible is talking about this guy, this Egyptian. He was a spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, so he, Benaniah, went down with him with a, sta with a, uh, with a staff, the Bible tells us. Do you know what a staff is? A stick. That's all he had. He had a stick in his hand, so he went down to this Egyptian with a staff in his hand, wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. These things Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, did and won a name among three mighty men. He was more honored than the thirty, and he did not attain to the first three. And David appointed him over his guard, over all of the guard. When Benaniah was chasing and tracking that lion, he was actually chasing and tracking that opportunity of a, of a lifetime for his destiny. Benaniah became the chief bodyguard to the second king of Israel, of course, and we know him to be David. But nothing that, nothing, uh, but not only did he become the chief bodyguard of David by defeating the fear of his life, Benaniah also became in the next administration with, with uh, Solomon, king, under King Solomon, who was the son of David. Benaniah became the captain of all of the army of Israel. The Bible tells us that Benaniah became the second most powerful man in all of the kingdom. All because he was fighting his fears. All because he wasn't running from them. But he was staring them down. He was decided, had decided that it wasn't going to be anything that would hold him back. It all happened when Benaniah decided that he wasn't going to walk away from this. When he decided that he was not going to let fear cause him to run and hide and coward, he conquered fear. He conquered fear and defeated it. So the question may be for all of us right now, why? Why, why is it important that we would conquer fear? Why, why, why is it that we, we would not allow fear to paralyze us or neutralize us? Why, what's the reason behind all of that? Well, number one, of course, the reason is, is that fear doesn't come from God. So it's not from God. You don't want it. You don't deal with that. That's not what we do. That's not who we are. But the second thing with fear is that fear, it will rob you. It has robbed you. 
There have been opportunities in your life and in my life that we were afraid and consequently we didn't go there. We didn't do that. We didn't say yes to God or to that opportunity. It will keep you from your destiny. Your life will, will be without purpose if you live in fear and aren't confronting what you need to confront. Your focus on life will be on lesser things. And God wants to know ultimately from you, who is it that you're going to follow? Who is it that you believe on? What voice are you listening to? Who will you believe in? Who are you going to ultimately trust with your one and only life? Is it going to be the God that you've committed your life to? Or is it going to be fear? Is it going to be what others would say? What others would think about you? Those are choices that you and I need to make probably on a daily basis, maybe 10 times a day. I don't know. But these are decisions and answers to these questions that you and I need to consider. The destiny and the future that God has set before your life, sir or ma'am, will ultimately require you and I to have great faith. You're going to have to believe God. I don't see Benaniah as a quack-quack. I see him as a man of God. I see him as a warrior, someone who is not f afraid that that spirit that, was, that dwells in God was dwelling in him in that particular area of his life. And he decided that with great faith he would jump into that pit. You're going to need great courage and you're going to need great trust. Because Jesus says these words, to whom much is given, much is required of every one of us. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, you don't need to turn to it, it's not in your notes either. But Paul tells us, he says, I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him at that day, is what the Apostle Paul says to us. So that means this. The Apostle Paul knows in his own mind, there's hardly another person like the Apostle Paul in all of the world, in all of human history. But the Apostle Paul understood to live in the destiny that God has for his life. He knew that he had to be rock solid in his faith in God. And he says, I know in whom I have believed. I know in whom I have believed. And I wonder about you. I want to push you toward God. I want you to believe on God. I want you to trust that what he has said to you and what he is doing in your life right now, Amen. that you will put your faith in him. You will believe on the living God of heaven and earth. Come on, somebody give me an amen. amen. Now on you and my journey to God's destiny for each of our lives, all that God wants to do, I'm going to be gut level honest with you, there will probably be at least 100,000 reasons. I know we just sang the song about 100 billion, but I'm down to 100,000 reasons why at times you and I are going to be scared to death. Scared to death to deal with that one issue that you need to confront. You're going to want to turn and run, I'm sure. Everything from, from your and my inabilities, our inadequacies, in our inhibitions, to those other areas of life where just maybe, just maybe, there will be some large white teeth. There will be big, huge claws and toenails. There will be a loud roar and, that would pierce your ears. I am confident that there will be at least a hundred things in your life that will try to hold you back from everything and anything that God would want to do for you. And you will never experience unless you push through those things. You and I must pu push through those things. We're going to have to, to fight fear and ultimately defeat fear. We have to do that. 
I said a couple of moments back that Benaniah decided that he was not going to walk away from this God-given opportunity. I want you to always remember a God-given opportunity that is God's gift to you. This lion was God's gift to Benaniah. Whatever that is, that God-given opportunity is God's gift to you. But what you, would, but what you do with your opportunity, that is your gift back to God. What you decide, what you see, what you're experiencing right now, what may be taking place, what the issues may be, it's an opportunity that God has given you. It has something to do with your future. It has something to do with your destiny. And you have to decide what are you going to do with that particular thing and then do it and then give it back to God. That is your gift back to God. Of course, a lot of people want God to give them opportunities. But what they want with an opportunity is it to always be lion free. No problems, no challenges. Make it rather easy for me, God, if you would. But that's not how God works. All of the great men and women of God that you find in this book, the people whose names are written in this book, every single one of them, every single one of them had to deal with, with those kind of issues. Um, God, didn't, God didn't give them, a, a single one of them, a risk-free, low-demand, lion-free assignments. They all had something similar to what Benaniah was dealing with in one way or another, and that's going to be the same for you and I. We are going to be dealing with those kind of things. They had to face down those fears and defeat them. Quickly, Abraham had, had by faith, was told to leave the Ur of Chaldees to go to Canaan. And he had no idea where he was going. It was a fearful decision, but it was with faith that he would move forward. Moses had to defeat his stuttering, stammering speech to confront Pharaoh for Israel's freedom. Joshua had to defeat poor self-esteem after rising through the ranks, after following after a man by the name of Moses. God says to, uh, to Joshua in chapter 1 four times, he says, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. He understood why he would be fearful. David would confront a 10-foot giant with a slingshot and a smooth stone while the army of Israel is back at camp shaking in their boots. Gideon would defeat hundreds of thousands of the Midianites, hundreds of thousands of the Midianites with just 300 men sanctioned by God to do that work. And the men he would pick was determined by how they would drink water from a pond. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have to overcome the fear of fire. Fear of fire with full faith in God, of God's presence, even in a fiery furnace. If that would be God's will, he'll deliver us. And he did. He did. And then, of course, one of my favorites is Peter. Peter, who, who would have to overcome his fear of death and therefore would be, be betrayal. Uh, his Savior, Jesus, his Savior. And the way he would defeat that would be finally he would preach. On Pentecost Sunday, he would preach Jesus to a crowd and about 3,000 people would commit their lives to Jesus. Over and over again, our characters within the Bible, they had to face down their fears. In this series, we are going to be facing down our fears. We're going to identify them. We're going to confront them. And we're going to stare them down. And we're going to end up being victorious. Give me an amen. amen. God, if you did it with them then, I believe that you will do that with us now. God, does, God doesn't just take us right to the top. God doesn't take us right to the top, to the finished miracle, to the fullness of our destiny first. He doesn't work that way. On that path to fullness, God does give us opportunities to experience His mighty power. 
by showing us sometimes lions are in the pit. You've got to get in and fight and defeat that lion is what God is showing us, what God is telling us today. And if you're willing to fight them, then he's going to give you an amazing victory, an amazing victory. I shared this a couple of years back, but I used to have terrible fear when I used to, when I was a young dad, a young father of my kids, have a terrible fear that they would be killed. I had a terrible fear that when I would get in my car to go to Crucible Steel to work at the steel mill back in the 70s, that somehow or another my kids were going to be getting off the bus and they would be run over by a car. And literally I would cry on my way to work because I was so fearful. I couldn't stand it. It was just so fearful. It was my greatest fear. And as most of you know, on September 4, 2016, I had to face that fear. Marianne had to face that fear. My kids had to face that fear. And I, it was a fear that I didn't want to deal with. It was something that I never, ever in my mind would ever want, and I never, ever want it for you. But the fact of the matter is, it would be where God has done some of the greatest miracles in our lives as well at the same time. I can't explain it to you. Doesn't mean life is easy now. Doesn't mean that everything's wonderful. But God has intervened in our life in our greatest fears in ways as I would never imagine it to be. For Benaniah, everything was connected to that lion in that pit. Had he not been willing to deal with that foremost fear that he had at that particular moment of his life, he would have never gone to become the second most powerful man in all of Israel at that particular time. Fear will rob you every time. Fear will rob you and ultimately of some of the greatest moments of your life. As we are fighting fear, God does not want us to experience, God wants us to experience miraculous, uh, uh, divine proportion, miracles of, let me say that again. <laughs> Told you it's embarrassing sometimes being up here preaching. As you and I fight fear, God does want us to experience miracles of divine proportion. With Benaniah and that lion, you and I both know it was an unequal battle. Odds were against him. It was a mere man fighting against a ferocious lion. The bottom line, listen to this, God always wants the greater glory. And he will get that when the believer face, uh, face what seems to be impossible situations, impossible odds. It's what the word of God tells us. I want to let you know one last thing. When these opportunities come your way and my way, it seems like they never come at convenient times. It seems like they're never with perfect conditions. It seems like um, all the ducks are not in a row if you're one of those kind of people. Not, there's not an answer to every question that you may have concerning that particular situation you're dealing with. But listen, please. If everything has to be in order of your life before you can say yes to God, no matter what it is he would want to do or say, then you'll never experience what it is that God would want to do in and through your life unless you confront those fears. I'm going to ask if you would stand to your feet. If I could have our intercessors please make their way down front, that would be great. Over these few weeks that we're going to be doing this series, I, I want you to be really transparent between you and God. I want you to let Him know what it is that you're fearing, what it is that you're dealing with. And let God make a way for you. He will make a way. I promise you, I've experienced it. Many times, he'll make a way for you. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please, if you would just do that for a moment. I want to challenge those of you who would be here that maybe, just maybe, 
You're sensing something. You're sensing a tug. You're sensing something in your heart that maybe you need to commit your life to God. Maybe you're someone who, are dealing, who is dealing with all kinds of fears, whatever that may be in your life, and maybe, just maybe, today is the day that you would deal with that, and the best way to deal with that is making Jesus to become the Lord and leader of your life. You need to do that, my friend. And all you need to do is to pray a simple prayer. It's not a joining Word of Life Church. It's not attending every Sunday. It's a relationship between you and God. Jesus, become the Lord and leader of my life. It's all you need to pray. My prayer was, when I gave my life to Jesus, was, if this is real, I want it. And I got it. He changed my life. And he'll do the same for you. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if that's your desire today to make a decision toward God, to move toward God, maybe you're someone who served God years ago but walked away in your back, you want to come back. If that's you as well, would you just hold up your hand for a moment? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you just for one minute. Would you just lift up your hand across the audience? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you in the back. I appreciate it. Thank you over here to my left. Thank you over here on my far left. Father, I thank you for these men and women who are making decisions toward God today. We give that over to you, Lord. We trust you. And again, my friend, all you need to do is pray a simple prayer. If, you're, if you've backslidden, if you're wanting to come back to God, just say, Lord, I'm back. Lord, I'm back. I, I, I want to serve you and follow you. I want to be able to face down my fears and be able to, to follow you instead. And for those of you who may be for the first time, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. Become the Lord and leader of my life, I pray in Jesus' name. We're going to sing one last song here before we have you leave. And uh, if you would like prayer for anything, you don't need to be a member to be be prayed for here at Word of Life. Uh, We would invite you to come down forward and uh, let let our intercessors pray for you for whatever your need is as we sing this last and final song. Go ahead, guys.